The information provided on this podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general informational purposes only. Welcome to Rights Here, Rights Now, the podcast about disability, advocacy, and activism. I'm your advocate host, Ren Fazuski. And I'm your advocate host, Virginia Ferris. Every two weeks, we dig into relevant issues, current events, and avenues for self-advocacy. Because someone has to. And it might as well be us. This podcast is produced by the Disability Law Center of Virginia, the Commonwealth's Protection and Advocacy Agency for Disability Rights. Find out more at dlcv.org. So what is our topic today, Virginia? Today's topic is, and bear with me now on the pronunciation, visitability. So not visibility. Not visibility, and not vegetables, (laughs) and not... Uh, verisimilitude. You pronounce that way better than visitability. I know, and it really shouldn't be that way, but here we are. So visitability, certainly we're going to do a headlong deep dive into the topic, but from what I understand, it's essentially the idea that not only should people with disabilities be able to have their own spaces that they live in Mm -hmm. and have accessible, but they can actually go see other people and like visit people. This this shouldn't be as novel an idea as it is, but um, yeah, today we are lucky enough to have uh, Dana Trainum uh, in the studio with us to discuss visitability and why you should care and what you can do about it. So um, before we jump in, let's check out disability in the news. A new review shows that Virginia is behind on its promises to help people with intellectual and developmental disabilities live on their own in the community, rather than in large institutions. Seven years ago, the state pledged to boost community services as a part of the settlement with the U.S. Department of Justice, which had accused Virginia of violating the rights of people with disabilities who lived in state training centers. The latest independent review of Virginia's compliance with the settlement, completed in the fall, found the state still doesn't have enough community services staff, hasn't been able to make local community services boards and private providers adhere to its standards for care, and has no standards for implementing services aimed at behavioral issues. The deadline for full compliance is the end of 2020, but the review found it will take Virginia much longer to fully realize all the services and supports needed to meet the needs of the community. Find out more at dailypress.com. All right, so as promised, we are here today with staff attorney Dana Trainum. Ooh, an attorney. An attorney. Uh, and I'm I'm so glad to have Dana in the studio today. I've been working with her for almost a decade, which seems hardly possible. Wow, has it been that long? It has. But Dana is like... You haven't uh, aged a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Nor have you, my dear. Um, So, yeah, Dana is just the guru of all things community and inclusivity. And we are so lucky to have her here to talk about visitability. Very good, actually. (laughs) You only added like five syllables to that. So, visitability. There you go. I said it right. What is that? Like, just what is it? So, in addition to being something that's really hard to say, and in addition to being something that uh, Microsoft Word doesn't recognize it, (laughs) um, so it always says that it's misspelled, Um, but it doesn't have any 
um, uh, recommendations either for how to spell it. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, just so, you know, if you ever want to put it into a yeah. document. Yeah. So visitability is a concept of um, making homes, for lack of a better word, visible. Um, <laughs> so making homes available and accessible to people who may use mobility devices to get into. If you think about your home, is there a step going up to your front door? There sure is. Yeah. Do you know how wide your front door is? It's it's door width. It's I, my width. <laughs> I know it is precisely two inches smaller than my couch. <laughs> Interesting. Do you know how wide your doorway is into your bathroom? Oh, certainly not. Probably narrower than your front door. Probably, yeah. So um, all of those things would make a home inaccessible to someone who uses a wheelchair. And possibly someone who uses um, even a walker or a cane. Uh, because going up those steps, even one step. Um, I've had people tell me that a place is accessible and to get there. But there's a step. But there's only one. Um, you know, thinking that that yeah. makes it yeah, yeah. sort of accessible, if not totally accessible. Ugh. So visitability just means the, um, it's not a law. So let's just get that out there. There's no law saying that homes have to be made visitable. But it's a movement, if you will, to make um, more new homes that are being developed, to have builders and designers think about designing homes so that they will yeah. be visitable. So there, there are actually three things that make a home visitable. The first is, and we've talked about them already, um, is the uh, zero step entrance to your mm-hmm. house. Mm-hmm. And that's, it, maybe it's not your front door, you know, maybe maybe it's not your front door, maybe it's a basement, maybe it's, but some way for um, someone to have a zero step entrance into your house. So that gets them to the door. And then the door has to be wide enough to get through the door, which is generally considered 32 inches. Although some of the bigger wheelchairs might need more space than that. Yeah. Um, and then to have a bathroom that they can get into. This actually kind of reminds me of um, my grandfather, who was a quadriplegic. And my dad uh, built a whole ramp extension to our back deck because um, those six stairs was just really hard with that power wheelchair. Yes. Just couldn't yeah. quite, didn't have the hydraulics yet. So um, I don't know if he, he could definitely fit through the back door. I don't know if my dad extended it or not, but it was wide enough for him to go through. So the ramp was the big thing in order for him to enter the house. So so if houses are built with the concept or the idea of visitability, we wouldn't have to retrofit them with these ramps, which can yeah. be quite expensive. And then when you're talking about widening doorways, especially internal doorways, you're talking major expense. Right. So if they're designed, you know, in the first place to be uh, minimally accessible, visibility is, is minimal accessibility, um, then that's already in place. But I thought we already had like a whole ADA thing, like a whole thing saying that homes have to be accessible. Is that not the same not thing? Not private, like personal family homes. Um, and also the ADA doesn't cover housing so much. That's the Fair Housing Act. And 
all of these federal laws tend to cover multi-family housing, mm-hmm. hmm. apartments, developments, things like that, not just a house down the street. Yeah. Because that's a private home. And so when we're talking about visibility, we're trying to get the word out to people who are uh, thinking about building their own home people, and, and, and those people that are designing and building them. And there are a few organizations in Virginia that are um, both talking about visitability and accessibility um, of new homes. So the idea is out there. It's just the general population doesn't know about it. Yeah, it does sound like it's a rather new concept. Yeah. Like It's been around since the 80s. So oh, depends well. On how you <laughs> <laughs> so, Ooh. Yeah. Wow, I just showed, showed my ignorance. I apologize. But, 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 you know, you make an excellent point. It's been around since the 80s, but, you know, and we even work in this field. Yeah. And people that work in this field don't know about it. Um, so getting the word out, a podcast like this, or just, you know, bring it up at the social gatherings. Do you know I learned about visibility? I mean, it make you real popular and stuff <laughs> at parties. The coolest kid at yes, the party. Yes, the coolest kid at the party. Um, but just getting the word out to folks because they don't think about it. I never thought about it, you know. So, so that being the case what made you so passionate about this particular topic so there were a couple of things that happened um first off over 20 years ago uh, i got to be really good friends with this guy named james Mm -hmm. and james had been in a car um i'm sorry a motorcycle accident when he was young and he was like 18 or 19 and he had quadriplegia so he used a wheelchair to get around it. It was a, it was a fairly large power mm-hmm. wheelchair. And we would go and hang out. We'd go out to dinner, my wife and I, we'd, you know, and James. We'd hang out. We'd go to dinner. We'd go to movies. And one night we wanted to have him over. We'd watch movies and maybe play cards or something at the house. And at the time, my wife and I uh, rode motorcycles. And so we had a ramp that we used for our motorcycles. Um, and so we thought, no problem, it's just two steps up to the front door. We'll just put that ramp, we'll get him up the two steps. Um, yeah, that didn't work. Mm, it didn't yeah. work. Um, <clears throat> his wheelchair was too heavy, the ramp was too short. And not only did we not get him up onto the front porch, um, we almost tipped him over um, oh, off gosh. the sidewalk. Uh, we were mortified, terrified. He laughed hysterically the whole time because you know he's been through a lot of these things before you know trying to get into places that aren't accessible but the thing is even if we'd gotten him onto the front porch we hadn't thought about the fact that once you get onto the front porch there's a lip like a three inch lip going into the front door and had we gotten his wheelchair on the front porch there was no space at that point to put the ramp to get up the lip and then our front door probably wasn't wide enough for him anyway so here we had this friend that we really liked hanging out with couldn't come to our house could never we could never have him over for dinner we could never have him over for, i mean you know so that sort of brought the issue into my head like you know why do we have houses that people can't get into and then i started working here and i was doing some research on fair housing and i read this article about um this woman who had polio as a kid and as an adult she was being interviewed um by um i don't know newspaper radio i don't know something and they were driving down her a road um, in her hometown, and she was pointing out, yeah, at that house, Susie lived there. I couldn't go to her slumber party. Um, 
Tommy lived there. Yeah, I couldn't go to his pool party. So-and-so lived there, and yeah, I, I could never go there for Halloween, even though it was the coolest house. Um, you know, so it, that also, I mean, it just made me think about why do we build houses that automatically, from the get-go, exclude people? Mm. Yeah. When it doesn't cost any more when you're building a house to, to include these accessibility features. I mean, I think that's also a, a really good thing to think about, particularly, you know, with, you know, the aging generation. The, 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 the boomers are going to be the, lar- the largest aging generation that America's had as far as the number of people in retirement and, mm-hmm. and elderly and things of that nature. And, you know, there are disabilities that occur because you're just older, yes. right? And so these houses that when you're young and able-bodied, you're able to access mm-hmm. and have no problem maneuvering inside. If you get to a certain age and older and have certain disabilities that come with that, then suddenly your house isn't anymore. That's yeah. exactly right. And it could be, you know, you think about these features for people with disabilities, but I have two babies. And I know if I go for a walk around the block with a stroller, when I get back to my house, there are those two steps in the three in the three inch lip up to the mm-hmm. front door. Mm-hmm. When you're moving furniture into the house, yeah, and your doorway is narrow. I mean, widen the doorway, yeah, for people with disabilities, but also it makes our lives easier, right? So, yeah, yeah. My uh, my 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 niece is disabled, and my sister recently purchased a house. They ended up not going with the the house that had the updated. Uh, elevator because they couldn't afford the elevator but the front doors are wide enough that when they do put a ramp in the front right now my niece is only two so they're able to transport her but they know that's not always going to be the case so they looked for a house that had wide doorways that had a downstairs Mm -hmm. bedroom that has you know places for her to maneuver and um my brother-in-law built a accessible tree house in the backyard that has a ramp all the way up so what a cool He can get dad. up there. Oh my gosh, what a cool so, dad. You know, and, and you know, I think that is something that we're we're coming into a time where I do think like disability awareness is growing, but mm-hmm. this idea that disability isn't just relegated to the person who has it, we have to be neighbors and accommodate yeah. everybody in the community that way. Yeah, and think about with your niece she you know, unfortunately is going to face some of the things that woman did in that interview. You know, is she going to be able to go to slumber parties? Is she going to be able to go trick-or-treating at the coolest house in the neighborhood because there are steps going up to the front door? Yeah. Um, And the aging thing, I have a friend who helped her mom um, move down to Virginia and, and built a house. Her mom was in her 80s at the time. They built a house up on this hill where she'd have to walk down a pretty steep hill to even get her mail and steps going into the house the very narrow doorway even I can tell that it's a very narrow doorway Hmm. and I and I think okay maybe the daughter didn't know maybe the mother didn't know but that developer I mean does he even think about um are these issues even in the in, in his mind even if it's just for the safety of the people living in the houses, like a visitable house, an accessible house is good for everybody involved in that. 
Well, again, like when we're talking about things like ramps and widened doorways and like bathrooms you can turn around in, these aren't hardships for able-bodied people to have. It's not like it will make able-bodied people's lives difficult to have a wider doorway. So it is interesting that it's not just a standard, but I imagine it's not, like you said earlier, it's not like a legal thing. Mm Mm-hmm. So the most recent bill, it's uh, the name of it is the Eleanor Smith Inclusive Home Design Act of 2019, uh, which is still an open bill mm-hmm. in Congress. Um, it um, would require uh, development receiving federal funds to be built um, with visitable visitability features. Hmm. Um, so, but I was reading a um, political website, which I try to stay away from, but I was researching for this podcast. And it said that this bill has about a 2% chance of being passed. So there's a chance. (laughs) There's a chance. Glass half full person. Call Um, your representatives. Exactly. The person who um, put the 2019 bill in is Senator Tammy Duckworth, Mm. who is the first person with a major visible disability in Congress. But it's, like I said, it's been in there since 2003 i don't know if it's been every year but it's been several times Mm. they've tried to get a bill like this through so that's at the federal level what about in virginia i don't know if it's ever been tried in virginia i'll be honest i don't know i don't know if they've ever tried to put any sort of bill in place in virginia or not you stumped me there so there's no law in virginia and and to be honest with you i don't know if it's ever been tried you stumped me but there are organizations in Virginia that focus on this topic. Mm-hmm. There are uh, different builders and, and designers who focus on visibility. And one thing that we do have, we don't have a law, but we do have a tax credit mm-hmm. for uh, people who uh, design accessible features, universal design, and visibility features in new developments. There's a tax credit for that. There's also a tax credit for anyone who retrofits a house with accessible features. So that is something that we have mm-hmm. in Virginia that gives people some incentive to, and some reimbursement because it can get quite expensive, uh, especially the retrofit piece. Yeah. I know that's something that, um, that my husband and I have discussed regarding the house that we bought, which we could afford it, which was one of the first steps, um, but we, our house is a rancher and we've talked about kind of doing the thing that my dad did is extending the deck and making a ramp because eventually we would like my niece to be able to access our home right now again you know she has being two years old and with with the variety of things she's dealing with she doesn't really travel very much but that's something i want to consider in the future and it's not just for her it's for any person who would be able to visit the home Mm -hmm. and i think that is something that you know that people can start thinking about. I like the idea of a tax credit because I am poor. I imagine other people are poor too. So I imagine it's, it can be expensive to think yeah. about those things when the developers aren't already putting them in. Yes. So, you know, obviously like retrofitting our own homes that aren't necessarily accessible is a step we can take. Like what else can we do about it to make homes accessible to everyone i think the most important thing is to talk about the topic yeah so this podcast is great Uh, anytime we can get information out 
um, because people don't think about it. Yeah. I certainly didn't. When we bought our house um, just a few years before we met our friend James, I'd never thought about the fact that a person in a wheelchair could not get into our home. Mm-hmm. And, and since knowing James, I now have other friends in wheelchairs, um, and I know that they can't get into our home. When my wife's um, father had a stroke and started using a walker, he could no longer visit us because mm-hmm. he couldn't handle the two steps up to the doorway. Um, he just didn't have the mobility to do that. We didn't know that was going to happen. Uh, something can happen tomorrow that I didn't think about. So it's just something that um, we need to put in the forefront of people's minds. Yeah, I think it's a matter of being aware. And I th- again, I think that... I've really seen in the last five, ten years, obviously the disability advocacy has been around for decades. Um, I've certainly seen like a a real movement to making, you know, talking about it publicly and really including it in the media and like uh, particularly young communities. But I think it's about like incorporating it into daily conversation, incorporating it into our daily awareness about how people live because I think so often with disability, it's something that only happens to other people. And if we don't see it, we don't think about it. And I think part of this conversation is about incorporating it into how we think about everybody and just how we are aware of the people around us. You know, I don't, I don't want to end this podcast without talking about Eleanor Smith, um, the person who, for whom the bill is named. Mm. Um, the Eleanor Smith Inclusive Home Design Act of 2019. Um, Eleanor Smith is, was an activist. Um, she was also, we talked earlier about a um, survivor of polio. She was also a survivor of polio. And um, she was really involved back in the early 80s when there wasn't this name for it uh, in designing homes that anyone could enter mm-hmm. inclusive homes not exclusive homes and the whole idea of every house not special houses you know there aren't, there's a special house that's accessible to her but that every house could be could be accessible to her and 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 people you know who um have similar issues and similar needs she started a group called concrete change and it was interesting because she was talking to someone from japan and they were the ones that came up with the word visitable. What I don't know from reading the article was, is, was it the Japanese version of that <laughs> word? Or, but anyway, so she was like, I love that. So um, that's where we got the word visitable, uh, was from her and her, and her ag- advocacy. And talking about what we can do. So she was one person that started Concrete Change. And... Right now, in Atlanta, Georgia, there are over 800 Habitat for Humanity homes that were built with visitability features because of her advocacy. She worked with um, Habitat for Humanity and said, why are you building homes that aren't, don't have minimal accessibility? And so that became their policy. We're gonna build homes that, are, that have the visitability features. The other thing that I wanna make sure that we talk about is we use words visitability, accessibility, and universal design. They are not all the same thing. Visitability is um, minimal accessibility. It's those three things we talked about. Mm-hmm. Zero step entrance, wide doorways to get in, 
and an accessible bathroom or a bathroom where someone could at least get their wheelchair in and turn around. Accessible home, that would be for someone who is more, they probably spend more time there than just coming over for dinner. They need the accessibility features. So they're also going to need to be able to get into the kitchen, mm-hmm. into the into the tub or the shower, things that you don't necessarily, your dinner guests don't have to have accessible to them. And then universal design takes it a step further and includes things like um, uh, lowered countertops and lowered uh, light switches, uh, raised electrical outlets, things that would be for not just people with mobility impairments, but maybe any sort of disability or age for mm-hmm. that matter. So it's, it's kind of a hierarchy of accessibility with visitability being the, the lowest of that hierarchy. Well, it sounds like universal design is an excellent idea, and every place should be visitable, and uh, you're going to spearhead this utopia. So I believe in you, Dana. I believe in you. With help. With help. Well, thank you so much for coming and sitting down with us. I know that this was a topic that walking into it, I didn't know what to expect, and now I'm all riled up. So hopefully our listeners are too. I hope so. You riled up? That doesn't sound like you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we hope to have you back soon, Dana. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you. Remember to mark your calendars for Super Tuesday, March 3rd, 2020, for the presidential primaries. Did you know that on average, only 40% of polling locations are accessible? Part of DLCV's mission is to ensure that all Virginians have full access to their right to vote. Join the cause by surveying your polling place. You can print out the survey or fill it out online at dlcv.org under Voting Rights Survey. And those are the DLCV highlights. Tune in next time to hear more about what DLCV is doing on behalf of people with disabilities. Well, that was quite a lovely episode. It was, and thank you again to Dana for coming in and telling us about something I really didn't know about, didn't think about, but like is going to be on the forefront of my mind for a while now. Yeah, it was really important. And I think, again, it's part of our overarching mission to have people with disabilities in all areas of the community. Yeah. Um, So thank you all for listening to this episode of Rights Here, Rights Now, brought to you by the Disability Law Center of Virginia. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. If you need assistance or want more information about DLCV and what we do, visit us online at dlcv.org. Follow us on Twitter at DisabilityLawVA and share us with your friends. Until next time, I'm Ren Fazuski. And I'm Virginia Ferris. This has been Rights Here, Rights Now. Now.